0: Welcome to the Landmark Theaters Q&A podcast. In this episode, moderator John Horn discusses Darkest Hour with director Joe Wright during the film's opening weekend at the Landmark in Los Angeles. Hello, everybody. I am not Joe Wright. I'm John Horn, the host of The Frame on KPCC. So thank you all for coming out. But here is director Joe Wright. Since you guys paid your money, we'll let you have most of the questions, but I'm going to say some things before we start. But I will just hello, say, hello hello. hello. hello, When you have a question, make it a question, not a speech, and don't offer Joe a screenplay or something like that. Um, so I want to set some historical uh, context here for Operation Dynamo. Had it not succeeded, you and I would probably be having this conversation in German or some other language. When you're thinking about ways in which that period of history has been taught and what you had learned about it, did you feel that Anthony McCartan's script told you something that you didn't know?
1: Um, I went to an inner city London school um, run by a um, Labour council, uh, and so we were taught the history of the trade union movement. Um, We weren't really taught this stuff at school. Um, So, so, you know, it's what I've learned since. I mean, I think Churchill is revered and lionized in Britain to such an extent that you don't really have any sense of who he was. Uh, He's he's this giant kind of uh, bronze statue on a plinth overlooking Parliament Square. And so for me, the idea was to bring him down off that plinth and meet him face to face as a human being. And I think by doing so, I was able to learn more from him that
0: way rather than from this kind of icon. When you first encountered Anthony script, which was written on spec, was there something that jumped out to you in terms of the way in which he was in approaching the story that you thought gave you a way as a filmmaker to not only tell this history in a new way, but that there was a language to the screenplay that you could embrace, not a visual language, but a language of of speaking and of words that you found attractive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a film about words, really, and it's about the power of words to change and shape history, uh, which is something quite lacking from um, leadership these days, I find. so, um,
0: Theresa May comes up that short. She does. No, yeah,
1: she really does. Okay. And Boris Johnson <laughs> comes up that short. And they all. I mean, you know, um, uh, and they don't even write their own speeches now. You know, other people write them for them. Um, uh, so, so you know, it was a, it was a script. Also, I was very keen to just do a drama, a very pure drama. Um, and I and uh, I found that I laughed for the about ba- the first half. Uh, lots and then I cried at the end and, um, and I found the story to be very intimate and I was interested in this kind of intimate character study.
0: When you are thinking about what film you want to do next in a career, how much of the decision to do the next film is predicated by the experience of the previous film? Mm-hmm. And does that has that been true in your career that you want to go from A to B, C to D and was there something that you had done that made you more attracted to the story or Conversely, maybe more fearful of it's
1: that a leading question
0: that 's right <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I had just made a film called Pan, uh, which I was really proud of, but everyone else hated um, and it lost about a hundred million dollars at the box office, and that was painful um, and i uh ouch um, and uh and I joke about it now, but it was a it was a bad time and uh, and I thought about giving up uh. And doing something else, becoming a carpenter or something. I like woodwork. Yeah, no, I like woodwork. And and um, and I had a kind of crisis of confidence and a lot of self doubt. And then this script came along, which showed me that doubt was a key component in the attainment of wisdom, and that wisdom was a key component in leadership, and that you could turn such a negative experience into something positive. Uh, and so that's what I decided to try and do. And amazingly, I kind of gave myself over to it. You know, I stopped trying so hard, and I just gave myself over to the story. And um, and surprisingly, or maybe just not surprisingly, uh, when you let go of control, you suddenly find you have so much more control, and you suddenly, the rewards are so much greater.
0: When you are thinking about how you're gonna cast it, and then Well said. It's almost impossible to imagine anybody besides Gary Oldman doing this performance. But at the time, there are probably other uh, actors who other people are thinking about. And how quickly do you settle on Gary as your choice? And how quickly does that choice become reality? Because it's a daunting assignment for an actor to take on a part like this.
1: I... um I must admit, having kind of thought about the themes of the s- the script and enjoyed the story, I then kind of thought, okay, put my producerial hat on and thought, would I go and see a movie about Churchill? And I was not sure that I would. Yeah. Uh, es- you know, especially if it had one of those old, uh, uh, you know, old classic British actors. And uh, I mean, God, God love them, but um, <laughs> uh, but uh, then. I had the idea of of Gary Oldman and I realized that I would go and see a film with Gary Oldman playing Churchill. uh, That he was a hero of mine since I was about 14. um, And I think he's about the best actor of his generation. Uh, So. So I we approached him. He laughed (laughs) um, (laughs) practically in (laughs) our faces. (laughs) um, And then I came out to L.A. to meet him. I was incredibly nervous. And uh, in 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 his manager's car, is Doug here? Uh, no. Um, his Does that make the
0: story better or worse if his uh, manager's here? No, it makes it better. Well, I okay, can good. say he's not here. though. he's
1: got this hideous car, and um, <laughs> and he drove me to Gary's house. And um, and he's quite a kind of large in the life character. And he said um, he said uh, he said Gary's very nervous, and I was like, it's Gary Oldman. Don't be ridiculous. Um, and I went to Gary's house and found that actually he was nervous and I was nervous. And uh, but I realized that my job was just be to give him as much love as I could possibly give him and make him feel supported and uh, and strong. And um, and so that's what I did.
0: I want to ask you about the first day of filming. When you probably have seen makeup tests, you probably have seen prosthetics and costume fittings. But on that very first day of Gary as Churchill when he walks on set. Do you remember that day and what it was like to see him as Churchill the very first day of filming?
1: Yeah, but I, I mean, we'd been through a process of six months of makeup tests. Um, and uh, and very, very kind of, I mean, we, 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 we spent a long time getting that makeup right. Um, at first, the makeup was too much. He looked like he had a kind of raw chicken on his face. <laughs> um, it was really disturbing. There was a band that used to put raw chickens on their faces, wasn't there? punk band. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, great band. Um, and uh, and then we went, we went too little and in the end we kind of found the sweet spot between him looking enough like Churchill and at the same time uh, we had access to Gary's performance. Um, I do remember though the first day of rehearsals. I always do like four, four weeks of rehearsals yeah. prior to shooting and um the first day was a big table read where all the cast were sat round at the table um and gary bless his heart decided to um come come in full hair and makeup and walked into the room and literally everyone stood up like they're doing the underground <laughs> scene <laughs> everyone stood up like it was churchill just walked in and then remembered that churchill was dead and um and were kind of confused um it was, and, and, the ima- and the first camera tests were amazing because you started you know, with a big with a, a shot and then you get closer and closer and closer until you found that you could actually shoot him like that and still the makeup held up. There's no CGI you know, fixes in it at all, it's all in camera.
0: I'm gonna ask you before we turn over to audience questions, the timing of the production relation to Brexit and the US elections and how that changed the way in which the movie would, was going to be received inevitably, but the way in which it changed your view of the story as you were telling it and as you are making the
1: movie. Um, I came on board in January 2016, and so there was no Brexit, there was no Trump. Um, and also, let's not just, you know, it's also, we're talking about the French elections right. where Marine Le Pen, um, you know, got closer than the National Front leader ever had. Also, the Dutch elections were terrifying this year. I don't know if there's any fascists in the audience <laughs> but um uh but um uh but uh excuse me if there are um uh but but so it was so it was it was scary and uh, um and and I tried to add lines to the script that were more pointedly referencing contemporary politics um Personally, I think Brexit is a complete disaster. And so, um, and Churchill was one of the first uh, politicians to ever raise the idea of a European Union. And so, in the scene where he's in the aeroplane and he's looking down at the refugees, um, I had him say a line about, um, you know, we must form a European Union to stop this or something, you know, um, expositional like that. And it didn't really work. I kind of realized that actually. Is, as soon as I started being didactical, um, uh, preaching, uh, it, 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 it stopped feeling true. And actually my job as a storyteller is to present a set of questions, you know, um, and, al- and respect the audience enough to allow, you know, to, to, to have them answer, th- find the answers themselves. That's not my job. Um, uh, <coughs> but, it is interesting it's kind of you know how it's how it's i've been traveling all over america with this movie and uh and also europe and i'm and i'm and and i've never seen such a level of resistance um and so that makes me optimistic and hopeful um because you know when when that we've had other kind of you know further right wing uh, or crazy um, uh, leaders. Uh, there's been a s- sort of apathy, but it feels like there's a level of resistance now that really excites me, and and I find America actually a really exciting place to be at the moment. Um, uh, so, and, uh, and 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 Churchill resisted, right. and that's the point. You know, it, he's he's a he's a leader who saw the threat of Nazism, understood it for what it was, um, and you know, kicked and screamed for 10 years before the war um, uh, in resistance, and then resisted at this hour. And to me, um, for all his flaws and all his, his, you know, he he got a lot of things wrong in his life, uh, not least his position on women's suffrage at the beginning of the 20th century, or Indian independence, or um, the Gallipoli campaign, all these things he got wrong, but he got this one thing really, really right.
0: So he'd be tooling around West LA with a resist bumper sticker, were he alive today. Okay, I I'm gonna take questions. Again, the more we can get to, the shorter the questions are, or the other way around. Uh, right here, go ahead. Stand up and be heard. You can stand up, come on, if you can. Hi. You did a very good job with this movie. You should be Thank proud of yourself. Thank you. Uh, Thank and you. Gary Oldman did a fantastic job, and I really hope he wins the Oscar. He deserves you it. One, I have a. I, f- I feel weird standing up. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. He's the director. But, but I have a question about it. it it's interesting watching this movie. Um, right around the same year that the movie Dunkirk came out, is it? Yeah. Was it? Was there anything? Did you have any conversations with the production of Dunkirk to know the timing of this film? I called
1: Chris up and I said, Chris, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> <laughs> um, have you not seen Atonement? Um, um, <laughs> I Can't believe I just said that. <laughs> um, uh, we did not know about. I mean, it was it was odd. We didn't we didn't know about Dunkirk, and we didn't know even about the Crown um, when we started pre-production on this movie. Um, and then we, you know, we were too far in to to turn back when we mm-hmm. heard about Dunkirk. I was nervous, uh, I must admit, and I did f- discover. Um, I asked around and discovered that there is not a Winston Churchill in the film. So that was a big relief, that it wasn't going into the kind of politics of of, of the situation, um, and I avoided seeing the film because I was worried that I'd be s- sort of contaminated by it or just jealous or something. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I watched it when I'd finished Darkest Hour, and I was and I thought it was brilliant. And um, I think it's a, g- a great piece of filmmaking, and and uh, and I think they, you know, probably complement each other nicely you know I, I think that's going to be a good double bill somewhere sometime <laughs> um, but you know I, I, I'm always listen I'm always just delighted if there's a good film I, 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 I want films to be as good as possible everyone's films to be as good as possible because then you the audience will go and see the films S- going to the cinema will be something you want to do and then that's all good for the industry so as many good films as possible and I think Duncan it's a really good film.
0: There was somebody in the way back I'll take yeah way back there in the hat I think yes thanks
1: Joe, first of all, that was <coughs> masterful, really masterful. Thank you. To, to what extent was the very important
0: character of Churchill's secretary fictionalized?
1: Uh, she's a real person. She's, uh, Elizabeth Layton was a real person. Um, and she wrote a book about uh, her experiences working with Churchill. Um, there were many Elizabeth Laytons, though. Um, he had m- many secretaries. And they were often held on a kind of rotation uh, right through the night. He was such a lunatic, he'd kind of mm-hmm. suddenly wake up in the middle of the night and demand a secretary to take a memo. Um, so uh, these women, um, they were women, uh, worked incredibly, incredibly hard and were a vital part of the whole war effort. I, um, uh, I've never been very good with men, I'm, uh, uh, r- you know, no offense, um, uh, i've alienated fascists and men now but <laughs> um, um uh, but awesome. i yeah um, uh, but i've made a lot of female centric movies um and um and when this script came in, the role of elizabeth wasn't c- as strong, and the role of clementine wasn't as strong um, and i although I wanted to make a film that was more male centric to see how that might be um i 've done it i 'm over it. Uh, uh, it was um, important to me that the women should be put front and center in this movie and that we should hear their voice too. Speaking of
0: women, let's get a question from a woman. Right here, go ahead. Having seen Dunkirk this year, um, and this and your film is great, I think that it really came out at a good time. because for people that didn't know about those votes and and, and the populace is putting up going in, and yeah. saving them was really amazing yeah. mm-hmm. My question to you is, I thought Kristen
1: St. Thomas' Clementine was correct. Yeah. Uh, did you consider anybody else besides it? No, the Chris question
0: was, who else was considered for Clemmie uh, besides Kristen Scott Thomas?
1: Yeah, uh, no, Kristen was the only person that I wanted and I was really dogged about it. Um, I really liked the idea that, that Clementine was way out of Churchill's league. Um, which she kind of was um she was a very beautiful woman and he looked like a pig um <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and and she adored him and um and it's a kind of idealized relationship it's kind of what i would like my relationship to be like in a way <laughs> um so there's a bit of wish fulfillment there for me um <coughs> especially in that grey dress um the um the um she she at first declined the role um, and I refused to take no for an answer and I went and stalked her in Paris. She lives in Paris and I practically doorstepped her. It was probably <laughs> a bit inappropriate. Um, uh, so
0: either yes or a restraining order?
1: Yeah, um, basically. <laughs> and I persuaded her to come to a, a, a cafe called Café de Flore with me and, um, and it sounds worse than it was. It wasn't that bad. Um, and I sort of told her why I thought she should play the role. And finally, after about an hour and a half, she looked down and said, you know, Clementine had very elegant ankles. And I thought, I've got her. <laughs> as soon as she started yep. comparing her own ankles to that of the character, I thought she's in. <laughs> and, um, and so, but I did work on the script to make sure that the role was um, uh, up, to, up, to, up to the actress.
0: We have time for more, so um, I'll go right here. Yes, you. Go Was ahead. The subway scene, uh, did that actually happen, or is that a metaphor? Uh, a metaphor. I like that.
1: Uh, the subway scene did not happen, um, I'm sorry to say. It's a kind of conflation. When you're dealing with uh, such a short period of, of the war and of Churchill's life, you, we had to try and bring in, there were elements that I wanted to bring in from from um, uh, the rest of his life and, and experience in the war. Um, he was constantly watching the polls at this point, and what he saw in the polls was that the populace, and in particular the working class, uh, God bless us, um, uh, were supportive of fighting on. Um, and that they had... It's interesting the way the upper classes were less supportive, um, uh, but the working classes were very supportive of fighting on, and so it's a kind of r- it's a kind of a dramatization of that. He also did used to uh, go AWOL, and um, and literally his 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 security and driver couldn't and secretaries couldn't find him for hours, um, had no idea where he was, and then he'd pop up sort of somewhere. Um, often uh, af- during the Blitz, he'd he'd be found kind of wandering <laughs> around um, the bomb sites and meeting taking their counsel, he cried a lot in public as well, so the tears are kind of um uh, he was a soppy a soppy bugger but um uh, but I think that made him even more human really you know people loved him for it
0: up close so you, want you want yeah go ahead well, when you talk about the empathy um,
1: that you found his character. And maybe
0: you thought about um, uh, politicians who have a desire for something to happen <coughs> rather than businessmen? Politicians. The question was about empathy and about politicians who have a desire to make something happen as opposed to businessmen. Um, who <laughs> you I think you get the rest of the sentence. Um,
1: uh, I, uh, I'm I don't really like method actors, but I am a bit of a method director. In other words, I have to kind of imagine my way into the point of view of that character, and then I try and express it from their point of view. So I often end up feeling like I am the person that I'm presenting, if you like. Um, uh, Which is nice when you're kind of, I get to be Elizabeth Bennet. But but yeah, so if that's not too grand a statement to say about Churchill, I did empathize with him greatly um especially as i was saying the kind of the moments of doubt that he experienced um and his sensitivity uh churchill was a career politician he he was 50 years in parliament uh he he went into parliament in his mid-20s and he was there until his uh, um, early 70s he was there a very very long time and he believed passionately in the process. He, was, he dedicated his life to the process. Um, uh, and, he b- and, and so that I find quite different from certain people today.
0: We have probably time for two more questions. So uh, is there a backbencher? Uh, I see a white shirt, a very backbench there. The use of the actual war scenes was very minimal. Was that always by design, or were there more in the script or less in the script? It was so effective and so powerful. Uh, Did everybody hear the question about the use of war scenes and keeping it relatively minimal? Um,
1: yeah, it was minimal because we couldn't afford more. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I, l- I, you know, I, what I find um, really interesting in my job is that limitations kind of liberate me. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, So, although I push and push for things like building the you know the, the 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 Commons Chamber, the Parliament Chamber, as a set, and that that's an expensive set, and blah blah blah. Um, uh, I find that that sometimes, so f- as an example, the film, as you know, is set in May 1940, mm-hmm. which is the hottest May on record, and yet we were filming in November, December, and January. So I had this problem with how do I get across the sense of the sub- of the heat um, when I wasn't able to shoot anything outdoors or at least nothing um, in the, you know, the green parks of England or whatever. And, and what I discovered was that that limitation allowed me to kind of generate an aesthetic which was about small rooms and, and claustrophobia, dark small rooms, and then these hot beams of light coming through the windows, expressing the heat outside. The war stuff itself, um, that was literally all we could afford. Um, and so I had to be very, very focused on what it was I wanted those shots to do, and how i wanted what I wanted to express with the the tools that I had and so it really focuses the mind and makes you kind of become more economical. I found especially in something like my experience with pan, for instance, where you had all the money in the world you you know do whatever you like, and you kind of it's sort of um the options for options paralysis sets in really, and you and you find you've got all of these tools, and you you know, and and, and um, So I, I kind of I, I kind of like that that process.
0: Um, maybe we'll do two more. You and then you. You'll be our last two questions. Go ahead. As uh, a great, an
1: ignorant question,
0: but I was recently informed, like six hours ago, that um, Churchill was considered. Um, like a psychopath, in like a super bipolar. <laughs> does that influence the
1: way I, I think, you know, these days we these days we we, our, our definition of mental illness is very different from how it was in the forties. Do you know what I mean? I mean Freud was, you know, sort of, you know, reasonably new in the forties, you know, I mean not new, but it's like mm-hmm. so so we still thought person you know, split personality disorder was was sort of being different people. Um uh so um uh so he was never diagnosed with anything um but uh from what i've read of him i would possibly in my contemporary head call him bipolar Mm -hmm. um in the sense that he was incredibly manic at points uh he his brain moved at like 500 miles an hour no one could keep up with him he'd come out with these crazy ideas that he thought were genius Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, really crazy ideas, um, and that a lot of his ministers and, and advisers spent, you know, ninety-nine percent of their time trying to persuade him that, you know, to th- that his ideas were not going to work, um, and then he'd come up with a genius idea like the the boats at Dunkirk, you know. So, I would, I, would and then he'd have these crashes, these huge depressions, which he called his black dog. Um, so the black dog's upon me again. So it's kind of, you know, um, uh, yeah, I would say he's, he's, he's most likely bipolar and high-functioning alcoholic. So
0: not an ignorant question at all. OK, yeah. so last question. Go ahead. Um, there was a scene where Churchill finds out about uh, Elizabeth's brother, at Kirk, and there's like a long silence. Was that your
1: creative choice, or was that in the script? Uh, that was my creative choice. Um, so well the, the question
0: about uh, go ahead.
1: The yeah, uh, repeat it. Uh the scene uh where hi- where Elizabeth Layton and he where he finds out about her brother nice. and um uh, and there's a long pause and whether that was my creative decision or not. Um yeah, I think it was and I think I wrote the line um I'm just looking at you. Um uh I don't know where that came from. Um but I like the idea that the whole film broke down and stopped at a certain point. Um, the film has this momentum, um, this kind. I wanted it to play like a kind of political thriller, and have this kind of you know um, urgent momentum. And then I like the idea that at that moment everything stops, and it's like the film stops, um, and um, and he's stopped, and his energy's stopped, and all he can do is look at this beautiful face and be dumbstruck by it and not know how to move on and the the, the, the fragility of her face and the pa- and and also most importantly the 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 strength in her as well
0: you know. we could keep talking but there's another movie coming in so thank you all for coming out thank and you. supporting thank you very you. Thank, thank you, you. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theaters Q&A podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and also check out Landmark Theaters YouTube channel for videos of these Q&As and more. See you next time.